Our relationship with food is one of the longest relationships we have in life. We eat several times a day, every day, and we may end up spending more time with food than we do with our families, our partners, or our friends. Just like our relationships with people, our connection with food can be easy and enjoyable, or it can feel like a painful and out of control roller coaster that erodes our self worth. My job is to help people figure out how they ended up with a relationship with food that feels chaotic or unhealthy, and how they can find peace with food again. Like with any relationship, it can be worked on and it can get better. That's exactly what we're going to do in this book. The reason you're here with me is to try to understand and ultimately to improve your relationship with food. Tell me what you eat, and I will tell you what you are, said Jean Antelme Briat Savarin, the famous French lawyer and foodie. I want to take this one step further. Tell me about what you eat, and you'll be telling me about who you are, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others your culture, your upbringing, your shame, and your values. You're telling me about power, control, emotions, identity, love, values, meaning, and beliefs. You're telling me a story, the story of you. And so it happens that the more time I spend with people and their relationship with food, the less time we spend talking about food. All of us make assumptions about others based on what they eat. Research back in the 1980s showed how strong the link is between the foods we eat and how others perceive and judge us for them. People who eat fast food were seen as more religious. Health foodies were perceived as more left-wing. Vegetarians were seen as pacifists, and gourmet diners were seen as liberal and sophisticated people. Sure, this research is a few decades old, but diet-based stereotypes are definitely still alive and well. To bring this into the present day, I've noticed that we are much more likely to think someone who does yoga is also vegan rather than someone who eats a lot of meat, and that someone who lifts weights regularly eats a high-protein diet rather than a plant-based one. I remember seeing media headlines a few years back stating that if you enjoy bitter foods, such as gin or dark chocolate, it means that you're more likely to be a sociopath. That is obviously not true at all. The headlines were a total exaggeration of the actual research findings. But if I were to suggest that people who like spicy food are adrenaline junkies and risk-takers, you'd probably be inclined to believe me. That's because the basic principle still stands. We make assumptions aplenty about people purely based on their food choices. Although certain food stereotypes are based on a grain of truth, more often than not, the assumptions and judgments we make about what others eat tell us very little about someone else and everything about us. When you look over with disgust at a fat person eating a burger, I wonder about your fear of weight gain and what you were taught about how you should look. I wonder what you learned in childhood about your own worth and whether your parents went on diets. If you hear someone say that they ate two tubs of ice cream in one go and you think, just don't have it in the house, I wonder about your own coping mechanisms for processing difficult emotions, where you learned them from, and if you've ever experienced what it's like to not have enough food. Most of us have grown up being told two fundamental lies. Number one, there are good foods and bad foods. If I eat the good foods, I'm a good person. If I eat the bad foods, I'm a bad person. This may sound drastic, 
but think about how many times you have heard someone say, no thanks, no cake for me, I'm being good today. Or, I've been so bad today, I've eaten so much chocolate. We've absorbed this lie of good foods and bad foods so much that we don't even notice how drastic a statement we're making when we say we are a bad person for eating something sweet. We even go so far as to assume these foods have the power to create good bodies and bad bodies, when in reality those don't exist either. These narratives have been instilled in us partly by our pervasive diet culture, a culture that teaches us that our appearance and body shape are more important than our physical and psychological well-being. Diet culture teaches us to value thinness above all else, to reach thinness at all costs, and to equate thinness with goodness. I want to be very clear. Food doesn't have the power to make you a good or bad person. And there are no good foods or bad foods. All food is context-dependent, always.